What's up, family? It's your boy, Daniel James II. I'm your host right here on Black Voices on the Hill. Black Voices on the Hill is a podcast, a radio show for the culture. We center Black lives, amplify Black stories, and enhance the Black experience at Cornell, Greater Ithaca, and beyond. Black Voices on the Hill topics range from racism, police brutality, colorism, sexism, to Greek life leadership, faith, and white elitism in the Ivy League. Black Voices on the Hill envisions a Cornell sensitive to the plight of its Black students, aware of the Black excellence in this college town and unabashed about them changing the world. We see Black excellence, we believe in Black empowerment, and we love the Black experience. Black Voice on Hills brought to you by WVBR FM News. To see when more new and upcoming episodes for other Cornell and Ithaca news, please visit us at Black Voice on the Hill on Instagram. You can see WVBR FM News on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or visit us on our website at WVBR.com. Listen... We have a really special guest uh, in the studio. Uh, we had a great month in March in terms of celebrating uh, Women's History Month, Black women. Uh, so this month in April, um, I, I've got a, a, a different guest. Uh, I've got a, a rapper, musician, uh, <laughs> most importantly, uh, Ivy League grad turned hip hop rapper. I would call him, his name is Mr. Paul Russell, uh, Cornell alone. Say hello to people, Paul. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much, man. Absolutely. How's everything with you, man? That's the first thing I want to ask you, um, just in terms of quarantine and everything. How's everything with you? It's been good, man. Yeah, it's been, it's been a wild year, obviously. Um, but just trying to, you know, make sense of it all, keep making music, keep, you know, staying busy. So I've been enjoying it as, as much as I can. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we'll get to that that music making in a second because uh, I, I know you've been cooking. I know you've been cooking. Uh, so listen, now you got married not too long ago, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, congratulations, uh, man. Tell yeah, us about it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fourth of July uh, is when we got married. It was on Zoom. Um, I love Zoom. <laughs> the, biggest, the biggest venue in America. Um, but yeah, we met at Cornell, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Uh, her name is Megan. Um, and yeah, we both moved out. Well, she graduated in 2018. I graduated in 2019. So she was out here in, in California and I came out here too. And we've just been, been together since junior year of Cornell. So that was like, I don't know, three or four years ago, four years ago. Wow. Yeah. And they say, and they say you can't find love at Cornell. Man. Um, <laughs> you yeah, can. That's, that's a lie. That's a you lie. Can. Yeah. I, re I remember on my tour, uh, someone said it was something, it was some stat that was like, I don't remember what the number was like 70% of the people who leave Cornell dating end up getting married or something, something crazy like that. Wow. Um, and Hey, it happened. I'm, I'm, it happened I'm a part you. of this, that. <laughs> it happened for you, man. I love that so much. <laughs> so uh, before we came now, listen, I first, I want to um, note the, the, the quality of this audio. Thank you to Paul before we got on here <laughs> but, um, for, for wrestling with me as I try to get this microphone set up. But yes, y'all, we got a new mic. So you won't hear Ooh. the birds chirping and, and everything else. Uh, you'll just hear my voice, uh, hopefully. So um, you might even hear my heartbeat. It's, it, it's, a, it's a really yeah. good mic. So uh, yeah, I just want to note that. And But before we get to the fame and the acclaim for you in terms of your musicality, uh, tell us how it all got started for you, Paul. Where are you from um and we can just talk a little bit about before you got to the hill like who would you say your as an african uh, proverb would would say who's your who's your village paint us a, a picture of the world that that little paul grew up in <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so i i'm from 
a small town in Texas called Allen, Texas. It's the like South. right outside of Dallas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I grew up there. I was born in Atlanta actually, but then I moved to, to Texas in like fourth grade. So I kind of consider that as like where I'm from. Cause that's where, you know, most of my, like at least cognitive, like life was, um, but yeah, so I, I grew up there. I, I was always interested in music, but it wasn't a big part of my life. Um, I just sort of would make music every now and then just like hanging out with friends. Like there was a little, little rap battles in the hallways and, and that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, Texas, it's weird. I don't think of, te- if someone if someone were to ask me, what's your village, kind of outside of this context, I would say it's Cornell, because I feel like my, uh, I mean, I, I love my friends and my family from, you know, from Texas, but I feel like in terms of music, a lot of my, like, start felt like it was at Cornell, and in terms of, like, how I think of myself, like, I feel like it was a really formative sort of time in my life, so I feel like there's, like, pre Cornell Paul and there's like post Cornell Paul and it's like a whole different, um, different thing, but yeah. So Texas grew up there. Good stuff. That's the story, <laughs> man. And now you're in LA. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> you sacrificed the food for what? <laughs> <laughs> ah, bro. LA is a dream out here. The good weather, like you can't beat it. You can't beat it. Mm. I heard you had some forest, <laughs> some forest fires too. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's give and take. There's like things, pros and cons, pros and cons of everything. But yeah. no, I, I, I do want to be exposed more to that culture. I also, um, I'm originally from, I'm from South Carolina. That's where oh, I, I was hey, born. There we go. Born, raised, uh, and and live other when I'm not at school, of course. Uh, so, um, I don't know if you've ever been to Columbia, South Carolina. That's where I live right now but that's like the capital okay. of South Carolina so yeah um, very small very small so yeah uh let me ask you then so you get to the hill um you're obviously very smart and uh I'm assuming you made good grades in school and that type of thing <laughs> so you're at Cornell uh, what was your major again and what was the I love. uh Isle, that's right. You were Isle yeah. like me. Yeah. Hey, there we Let's go. go. So Let's go. You're out there, bro. <laughs> right. And you were high road fellow too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait. Before we get to to um, where we could find you on campus, because I was going to ask you, but you worked in Buffalo um, as a high road fellow. So what was your program? What did you do? I was with PPG, uh, Partnership for the Public Good. I was with PPG. Uh, was he, hey, let's oh go. Yeah, I loved, I loved it. Yeah, I was doing, it was actually really interesting. This was like the, uh, the summer that like Philando Castile happened and there was like a lot of, you know, police brutality things. And so a lot of, what I was doing was I was helping, uh, there was a professor at the University of Buffalo who was working on this research project on like police community relations and how to like structure police departments and how to make changes and stuff like that. So that's what I was doing. So it was, it was super relevant and super cool. Um, so it was, a, it was a pretty insane summer. Nah, that's, that's really in the thick of it. And then I, I was a high road fellow last summer it was virtual of course but uh, of course everything that was going on with like brianna taylor and george floyd like i was working there during that and so a lot of what i was i was more so working on a, a research project as well where i studied like advocacy um how ppg hmm. has been uh, cr- uh vital in sort of advocacy for a lot along a lot of issues including reducing arrests in buffalo uh raising the living wage uh, just breaking the school to prison pipeline, things like that. So um, 
yes, Man, that's I love amazing. it. Yeah, I think I think the biggest takeaway for me after doing that was just realizing how how much of an impact like community organizations can have in oh, general, yeah. and like mm-hmm. I feel like in a place like where I grew up in Texas you know, that sort of thing is happening, but it's not talked about in the same way, or at least I didn't have the same like glimpse into it. I feel like there's, there's very much a culture of like, there's like activism and that's this big broad thing that it's like, Oh, that's like often something that is taken too far and it's too crazy. And like, don't think about that, you know, but then when you are a part of something like PPG, you get to kind of see like these people are really changing the community for a better and doing, you know, so many amazing things and so i don't know it really inspired me oh no they're taking care of like people on a daily like like they're helping eliminate water debt like during covid and things like that they're really doing a lot of great work so um shout out to andrea suliban who's my uh who's the director now she's my supervisor so um, yes it's it's pretty dope i love that (laughs) so if i could find you though on campus where would i find you on a you know on a not on a Friday night, because that might not be appropriate for the children. <laughs> but you know, on a Monday through Thursday uh, night, where could we where could we find Paul Russell studying? Oh, where can you find yeah. me? I love Regent Lounge. That was my spot. Regent Lounge. Okay. Regent Lounge um, I mean, I, this was like more junior and senior year because before that, I didn't really think about it. I didn't know about it. Um, but I mean, sometimes like not even just that I was always getting something there, but just I that was that was where you would find me. It was just. I I still to this day think about it because there's I don't know if they still have this. But Where is this? Where is this? This is, this is in the Statler Hotel. Okay. Um, so it's like a, I didn't know. Like I had some friends who were like, "Oh yeah, we go to Regent Lounge every now and then." So I started mm-hmm. going, and it's it's the little like bar slash restaurant in the Statler Hotel. Okay. And they had this dessert called the Baked Ithaca. I don't know if they still have it, but that was my stuff, bro. It was so good. It was so good. Um, that was that was where you find. Me. That was where you find. <laughs> so, so when did we? So when did the music? So did the music making start? It started at Cornell, right? Like, what, yeah. Could you could you be found writing lyrics too? You can be. Yeah, I can be found writing. So yeah, it was actually so before I got to to Cornell, I had made music before, and I I had a little like EP that I put out in high school, like as a part of a project, like I had a project that was just do whatever you want and prove you learned something from it. And so I made this little EP and I uh, put it on iTunes and I made like 200 bucks or something. And so that was my fun fact when I went to Cornell, whenever, you know, you need a fun fact, like for like icebreakers, I would always say like, Oh yeah, I made a EP and like made a couple hundred bucks. And then I remember I just said that around people who knew people who were trying to start a little like on campus rate, like um, record label. And so introduced me to those guys. They kind of hooked me up with some just events going on on campus. So they, they booked me playing at a pizza shop and then booked me, um, you know, playing at, there's like a little bar on campus that I played at a couple of times. And so just like different little shows. Um, and I, you know, at that point it wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to be a musician. It was just like, Oh, this is fun. Like it's cool that they're supporting me in this way. Um, and just over time, I, as I did it more, I started realizing how much I liked it and also started like seeing other people like it and other people kind of connect with what I was making. And just from then I, you know, it just felt like, 
okay, this is going to be a part of my life. Like, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something that I keep doing, you know? And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I would say that at Cornell, you definitely would see me performing. You, I, I feel like a lot of people like who knew me, knew me as like a person who would perform regularly when I could. Um, but, but yeah, it was definitely like kind of a growth into that over the course of those four years. I love that. Um, you know, we have so many underground musical artists and I wouldn't even call them underground, just people who go unrecognized. Uh, Cause I feel like yeah. underground is sort of, uh, they want to be something they're not. No, like they, they're really great lyricists and like rappers like yourself, but they just, you know, uh, well, not like yourself. Cause you, you in a class up by yourself, but I would say like <laughs> uh, these, you know, they, they have like that same drive or passion for music, but they just gone unrecognized. I have a lot of friends first week at Cornell. It's weird. Like first week at Cornell, you meet at least one person who raps and one person who plays <laughs> piano, one person who like sings, yeah. one person, you know, does something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, um, that's so true. That's so true. It's so true. So today you can, uh, go on Spotify, of course, and you can stream your albums. Uh, you, Primary Colors. Tell, now tell me if I'm getting wrong. Uh, Scarlet Love, <laughs> Once in a Dry Season, right? And then you have uh, two more tracks, right? Called Kalamazoo and Kimbo Slice. Is that right? So, um, so. Give me right. Uh, Give me together. Yeah, I'll, I'll get you right. Yeah, no, no, no. It's actually together. really confusing. So I, I'll, I'll say it's weird because when you, when you like Google Paul Russell, what comes up on the like on the Google page is like a couple things that are mine. And then it has like the Scarlet Love thing. I don't know what that is. I think there's another Paul Russell. Oh my goodness. Who also makes music who made this album. And so it sounds like, I don't know, it's some super weird, but anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, Primary Colors was okay. an album that I dropped in college okay. under a different name. Okay. Um, and it's super it called? funny po- that like. Politics? Politics. Politics. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. um yeah yeah under the name politics and i realized that the name politics like it it started to feel kind of corny uh and so i was like okay i'm just gonna be paul russell um but yeah so under paul russell the things that i've released it's yeah once in a dry season i had an album called via text that was kind of a joint album with another Mm -hmm. artist um and then i've i've had a bunch of singles over the, the past you know year or two um, that aren't on either of those projects, but are just kind of out there. You but, see, that's why I'm glad you got me together on those uh, those disc- disc- discography because I want people to make sure they know what music is yours. <laughs> uh, it's too. hard to oh, Yeah, I, I've always yeah. had an issue with the name thing. It's so tricky because, you know, sometimes initially when I would release music on Spotify, some of it would go under this other Paul Russell. And it, it, would, it would be okay if it was just someone else who... Mm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what, what any situation would be like, but, but it's funny because there's, I think there's two other Paul Russell's who released stuff right. on Spotify. One of them is like a folk artist and the other mm-hmm. one makes this kind of dark, spooky EDM type of music. Right. And so if people go back and they're like, Oh, Paul Russell, I feel like they'll be so thrown off That's <laughs> and so, so confused about, so you know, putting me together as an artist. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a struggle. But. So now people know. Um, and it's weird though, because I think still, regardless, your, your voice is very distinct. When I listen uh, to you, um, talking is very different, but when you sing, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if I would call it, 
I, I might call it rasp. I don't know what I would call mm. it, but your your okay, voice yeah, is like yeah, yeah. very, very distinctive. Um, today you have like over two million streams, right? In like the past year on Spotify or something like that. Um yeah, and yeah. I would just say like where did but 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 behind you is something that that hints at where you got started. I feel like it says TikTok. And I know y'all are like all <laughs> on TikTok now, but isn't that sort of where you got your like real critical acclaim was like from some TikTok, you would like remake songs, right? Yeah. Um, I think I, I went back, I went on your TikTok too. Yeah, I, I did a little bit of <laughs> Doing and, the research, uh, I, I love saw, it. <laughs> and uh, it was like this Jack Harlow song, I think it's called What's Poppin' that you did like mm-hmm. a remix or remake of. So tell me, is it, isn't that where you got started? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I had been making music for a little while, um, just, you know, just releasing things. And then what happened was I, I had a friend who out in L.A. who invited me to do kind of a concert in Malibu. And I, I went and I performed and it was fine. I was like kind of a weird vibe, but it was OK. It wasn't a lot of people. Uh, but this guy then uh, after doing this concert stuff for a little while, got connected with a lot of TikTok people and he became like a TikTok video guy. And so he hit me up one day and he was like, hey, I remember you performed at this thing. I think you're a dope artist. And I've met so many people doing TikTok stuff. And I'm like, you can you can absolutely do it. And, you know, let's like sit down and figure out how you can make this TikTok thing happen. Just because, I mean, at that point, it was clear that a lot of artists were blowing up on TikTok and we're kind of figuring out ways to grow an audience through it. But mm-hmm. I just didn't know how. Um, and so, yeah, so he and I got together and we just started like thinking of ways to do something unique. Um, and it felt like at the time, a lot of people were making remixes to, to songs, but there's like a very specific format to it. And a lot of the, I don't know, a lot of the way people would do it is that the goal wasn't to make a product that then sounded like, oh, this is a new like way to rethink this song or something that felt like, oh, like I'd want to listen to it. It was more of like, you know, here's a song that already exists and how can I add a few punchlines in, uh, you know, just to, just to make a funny TikTok video. And so, so yeah, the idea was like, okay, I'm going to make a TikTok account where I take all of these songs uh, and I remix them, but the, the goal of the remix is to kind of change the meaning of the song or to uh, just like reimagine it in a new way and like make it into something that feels really different. And so, so yeah, so started doing that and just like writing songs, writing remixes and just throwing them up. And I think the the first one that did really well was I did a remix of um, the song Won't Sam and Love from Hercules <laughs> from the, the Disney movie. Um, oh so I love that song. And I just felt like it needed, I don't know, people needed to like be reminded of how good that song was. And so I was like, all right, I'll make a remix on it and maybe that'll do it. So. It need to be Paul Paul Russellized. That's oh, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe it needs to be. Uh, <laughs> so you just forget about the degree altogether, like right? Because or or how do you feel that your degree? Um, just before we get more into the music, how do you feel like your degree contributed to your career? Because man, you, I mean, some people. Uh, well, I would say when ILR, it, uh, you know, when they make advertisements to students, they don't say you can be, you know, a Paul, Paul Russell, uh, hip hop rapper, you know, but then you're like, wait, he went to ILR. I can do that too. Like there may be someone who's sort of in the same shoes that you're in. How did you take that leap of faith and just like say, man, I can do this. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I, I have a day job as well, but it, it's related in that, uh, like I work at a brand consultancy that, that mm-hmm. we work with a lot of companies that are in the music slash like creator industry. So like companies like Patreon, um, like Linktree, like there was live nation who's like a, the biggest concert promoter. Um, like a lot of companies that are kind of in the music space, like beats by Dre and stuff like that as well. Um, and so, so yeah, so it's cool that I, I think I lucked out and then I, I found a way to use my Cornell degree to help me get a job that also helps my music in that like my day job is doing research about like often like it's, it's research about like the state of the current like artists now and like how that's changing and how people are finding new ways to market themselves and to like reach audiences and things like that. And then I just go back and I apply that to the music. Um, so yeah, Cornell definitely, I feel like helped me in that sense, but even, even outside of like the day job piece of it, um, I feel like I meet so many artists who feel like, Oh, I need to just take a huge leap of faith and go like, okay, I want to be an artist. And so I'm going to drop everything else and be an artist. But the connections that you make in doing things unrelated to your art are often the things that allow you to do the art in general. Like all, most of the people that I like collaborate with and I like, am really that really like led to a huge growth in my music. It's people I met at a job or people I met like through a friend of a friend at Cornell or, you know, this or that. And so I feel like it's kind of, it's, it's all connected, you know, and it all ends up being part of your story. Like, I feel like I definitely have a perspective that's unique because of, you know, coming from that sort of background. So, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like it all, it all ties in, but there definitely was a time where it was like, what, how do I make all this? How do I make all this fit together? But I think, I think in college, when you're like about to graduate, it feels like everything I've ever done has to make sense and fit together. And I have to be doing something that, feels like it's the culmination of everything before now, but it doesn't have to be that, you know, I feel like you'll be a bunch of different things over the course of your life. And so different things at different parts will feel like they were, they led up to different moments. So yeah, I don't know. That's how I see it now. Absolutely. And uh, man, just speaking personally, like I'm a junior right now and it feels like, you know, time is ticking, you know, in terms of just my path and all right, you know, you're reaching that time. It's got to make sense. You know, you were just playing, you know, in the play, on the <laughs> yeah. playground for a bit. Now figure it out. You know, it has to make sense. Yeah. And it has to quote unquote pay off is what mm-hmm. um, is always said about, especially, you know, if I just went to like a, a state school or just do what was comfortable, that's one thing. But I decided to go to the Ivy League and it feels like, all right, you got to make good or good a return on the investment. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. that pressure can be so real, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot. It can be really tricky. And I remember, uh, when I was graduating, I was trying to decide if I should be a musician or if I should try to, you know, find a job. Cause there, there was just a, a time where I just didn't know what I was going to do. And it was, it was so crippling almost like trying to find the perfect thing and trying to figure out, you know, after all of this time, like, what can I have to show for it? But once you kind of just give up on that and realize like, you know, I, I feel like it's all about just doing something. And then as you start doing something, you'll start understanding how you can use what you learn and how you can grow in it. 
you know, like right. all the people I know who uh, like graduated from Cornell and did something super weird, like a lot of them end up succeeding in it eventually or using that to figure out the next thing that they can do and figure mm-hmm. out where they need to be, you know, just because it, yeah. it's not, it feels like the thing that matters is like what I can say I'm doing next when I'm like walking off the graduation stage. But like that's, it, that doesn't, that matters for like 10 minutes and then, right. <laughs> and right. then it's done. Right. So you have the song called good things. Cause this is really tying into that. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I listened to that and you talk about not wanting to chase uh, pay stubs anymore or something along those lines. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And um, you also just in the song and this really gets it to me trying to figure out what genre, because y'all notice when he opened up, I, I said he's a rapper. I said he's in hip hop. I said he's in, you know, but you also talk about from what I understood, you talked about your faith journey or your faith in God. So I would say, mm-hmm. and and a lot of things that come up in terms of uh, your following, it, it might fit within Christian Christian contemporary. I would I would say. So talk a little bit about that, Paul. I'm a believer, so I would love to hear a little bit about that, Paul. I'm just yeah. how that inspired your path too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I so I'm a Christian. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and I I want my music to be as honest to how I'm thinking about things and how I'm experiencing things, you know? And so, so you do see that come out a lot of times in my music and, you know, and I, I've always struggled with trying to figure out, trying to define myself because I think, I think there's, you know, there's an industry of like Christian artists and there's kind of an industry of non-Christian artists. And there's like, when you make music that, yeah. talks about your faith a lot of times people are like okay which box do you fit in which box do you fit in? but I, I feel like it doesn't have to be that way because that's not how i i mean i don't really listen to that much christian i don't really listen to any christian hip-hop at all so i don't see myself as a christian hip-hop artist but um but it's something that i talk about and you know my faith is is important to me so it's something that i talk about and so i don't know i think that's always been a tricky thing in that uh I don't want anyone to feel like I can't listen to Paul Russell. Cause that's not my, you know, that's not the type of, you know, I don't listen to Christian hip hop, so I'm not going to listen to Paul, you know, cause it's like, that's not, I feel like the, that, you know, Christian hip hop name is more about the audience you're trying to communicate to than about who you are as a person. And so it's like, I don't see my audience as, like necessarily one person of one type of faith or one, you know, someone who fits into one box. I see my audience as just a really broad, you know, swath of people. Um, but yeah. Wow. I love that explanation too. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's great that I wasn't able to put you sort of in a box or really locate you. I guess it's like, yeah, there definitely are like chasms between like, or just, I, I was talking to this, um, this guy on campus, his name's Juan the Don Cornell. He's a rapper at Cornell. And yeah, he, I, know, I know. Yeah. And, and Juan the Don, we sort of had a conversation about the same thing, just sort of, uh, you know, what does, what does the fam think or what does, you know, how do you balance the two? And he's just like, man, I'm just speaking from my experience, I guess. And you know, your music also talks a lot about, I would say, socially conscious too. What are the themes that you've been inspired to write about in your music uh, that that reflect the culture or that speak to what's going on in the culture or has gone on? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think, so I remember, this was a really important sort of moment for me in figuring out 
kind of what I'm doing in music in general. I remember I, uh, you know, during this, you know, earlier this year, like all the protests and things like that, I had a song that came out the, uh, like the day that, um, sort of protests started really spiking up and it was kind of like a big thing. And I, the, the song I had written months ago and like slated to release months ago and I had no idea. And so once, once it came out, it felt like, cause it, the song itself is like a really happy sort of joyful song. Um, and it's just, you know, it's about nothing. It's about a relationship and it, it but it's, it's, it's really kind of, not a very deep or not a very That's something you know but yeah but so when the song came out i felt kind of like oh my gosh like is this should i take this down like it doesn't feel like it matches how i feel right now it doesn't feel like it speaks to what everyone who's going to be listening to it is thinking about and it just it felt like a kind of a disconnect and i remember i watched a video where a woman was talking about kind of how um just as people of color, our joy is protest in a lot of, in, in a lot of situations where it's like being able to make something that isn't about, you know, the struggles that you're going through, but still recognizes that and comes out of it. And is still able to make something beautiful, I think is something that can be really powerful in itself. And it can be, you know, it can really speak into a moment in a way that other things can't. And so so a lot of the music I make, I try to do something that communicates hope and just, uh, you know, joy, even despite what's going, what's going on. And I see that as tying into, you know, the world and the culture and, and all of that in general. Absolutely. I would definitely say that a black joy is a, is a form of resistance. Uh, I've, mm-hmm. I've heard that said, I can't remember who said it, but I've heard it said, and it's definitely, it definitely rings true, especially in like in the past year. May I just ask you, how have you personally just felt as a black person in this country, uh, given the past year in terms of, ah, I mean, you could start back as far as COVID, us losing a lot of people disproportionately, mm-hmm. Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, because uh, we talked about it earlier but I, uh, in terms of like the policy issue, but I guess just personally, and then, like I said, COVID, uh, this administration changeover. And then we have this spur of hope because we've got a black woman VP now. How do you feel about that? Yeah, man, it's a it's been a roller coaster. You know, I feel like this year. I mean, I think people in general have had to think about these things, think about race and think about how it ties into so many things on a on a level that they haven't had to before. Um, and I think, you know, obviously that's been something that I've always had to think about. Um, but I think this year it's been particularly just interesting, like looking at, cause you know, I, I, I'm married, my wife is white and like being able to have those conversations about kind of what's happening in the world and about kind of thinking about, oh, I'm going to have a kid in this world one day, uh, that's going to be half black. And it's like, what is that going to mean? And how, how is that going to, like, how is the world that I'm seeing around me going to treat that? And how is he going to just survive? And I don't know. And I, I feel like that's something that I've found myself, not that I'm not planning on having any kids anytime soon. Um, but I, I feel like lately I've been thinking about that more than I have before in the past of just kind of, 
you know, with the situation with poli- police brutality, with, uh, with just the political kind of climate in general. Um, I don't know. It's a very, it's a very crazy time. A lot of things that are scary. I mean, even like with the, the Georgia voting stuff today, like, I feel like there's just so much craziness going on and there's just so much to take in. And sometimes you have to kind of take a step back from it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. He said, no, no kids, no time soon. So no little, no little pause or, or, or maybe, uh, no little Timothy's, I guess. I guess Timothy was <laughs> like a, a spiritual son of Paul in like the Bible too. So ah, that's why I say. Um, so, man, but you never know. I, I just I feel like in terms of this um, this whole thing, yeah, I think it, it definitely you definitely need to take a, a step back, and I feel like that's what your music definitely helps people to do as well. Um, maybe I, I know that music always helps me to, to mm-hmm. internalize and process thoughts and how I'm thinking about things as well. So you have that. We talked about um, your voice in general. And, you know, me talking about your voice is like one thing, but like uh, we've had people on this show, like, you know, freestyle rap, you know, we've had people impromptu. I mean, is it possible? You know, you could give the people a quick snippet. What wow. does Paul's voice sound like? Wow! Oh my you know? word! I'm I'm not good at freestyling. I'm I'm just not. Maybe I can. I guess I could. Like you can sing a hymn. You can sing a <laughs> lullaby. You can sing anything. Uh, okay. Uh, I guess I can sing. Well, so I'll I'll give you. I'll, I'll sing or rap one of my biggest songs, I guess. It's like one of my favorites, I guess, as well. Uh, It's a song called Friends. And uh, it's funny, like, so it was a song that I wrote. I remember I was walking home, like, late at night at Cornell. And I just, like, wrote it in my notepad on my phone. And then I went home and I made this little beat and I recorded it on an iPhone. Like, it was as kind of low budget as possible. and it was just really about like how I was feeling at the time and just, just, and just like everything together, not, you know, not any specific sort of situation or anything, but, um, but yeah, then I went and released it and I didn't, I didn't think anything of it. Uh, but it has, it was the first song on my first album and it still is the song that like is the most popular that I've made. And it's the one that a lot of people who know me as an artist think of, like, oh, that's that's that Paul Russell song. But um, but yeah, it's weird that it all the time I've spent on trying to like invest money into like getting a good mic and like working on, you know, getting all these producers on songs and everything. And it's like that's not what it was all about, because mm-hmm. those songs don't you know, they don't have the same meaning as the one where it was just me walking around, you know, and recording it on my phone. Um but yeah, okay, all right, I'll I'll, I'll go into it. Um, <laughs> now is it, all right? So yeah, it's weird with no background, but here we just go. Disturbing the peace for some peace of mind. Sleeping in jeans, I'ma need a night. OD on a cheap advice. OC on the cheapest flight. Lately I've been on the move trying to get to something, but I told her I've been running just to see the sights, see the lights, and they're not my type. So we chill with a brother. If it's ice all white, but it's not. Am I living life in a box? Tell if it's a crisis or not. I hate coming off too normal, but I can use a wife and a dog and a job and a white fence off where the white kids walk. Well, have I been lost? Don't know where the days went. 
I spent a lot of nights in a blur, and I bet I spent a few too many trying to make it. Uh, I'll leave it there. I'll give you. I'll give you. Oh that. my <laughs> god! There it is. There it is. There it is. It's it's so funny to me because, uh, yeah, I definitely think that impromptu gift. I would have just like been like. But man, you are just, you are just amazing, bro. And I'm sure you Thank reached you. out too, but I'm just saying your gift and in general, like the musicality, I mean, you balance it all. You, you're an academic just like anybody else, but you also have this artistic gift. And I feel like the artistic often enhances the way that you see and view the world as well. So mm-hmm. um, I'm sure Man, there's no telling what's going on in, in Paul Russell's brain, like you know, throughout the day. So you have some new music coming out, right? April second, April the second. Yes. Uh, so tell us about it. It's called Hallelujah, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Hallelujah is a song that I wrote uh, a while ago. I wrote uh, months and months and months ago, and I, I I produced it on my own, and then I I had the song ready. And I sent it to my manager and I was like, it feels like it's not there yet. Like, it feels like there's something that it needs. And so she uh, just went on uh, TikTok and Instagram and found this guy who's a pretty producer who's worked with a lot of like really awesome people. Like he's worked with uh, Joyner Lucas. He's made songs with Tyga, with, with Jack Harlow. Like he's worked with so many people and she just sent him this song and uh kind of saying we feel like this needs something he was like i this is an incredible song i love it uh how about i redo the entire beat and so we just sent him the vocals and he redid the entire beat and now it's i love it i'm it's cool i don't know i've I've worked with people in a lot of different ways like i've collaborated as in just like one you know i make a song and we send something back and forth and i've collaborated where it means i I get, you know, down into a studio with someone, but I've never had a situation where I kind of make a song and then I send it to someone and then I get a brand new song back. Um, and, but it, it was a really cool process. And so I'm really excited. Um, it's, it, this is the first time that I've, you know, had a song where I felt like, okay, I'm going to actually invest time and money into releasing it. Um, Cause I usually, usually for songs, I just kind of announce on Instagram, like I'm dropping a song and that's it. But this, you know, there's been a whole like rollout strategy of like, okay, you know, we're going to, you know, have this person help out with playlisting and we're going to do this whole TikTok campaign and we're going to, you know, so, so there's more, there's more that's gone into it, but I'm excited to kind of let it go and see what happens. <laughs> I can't wait to listen to it. It's April 2nd. So that's, yeah, came, got here quick, uh, very <laughs> quickly. Uh, it scared me a little bit. So, uh, Paul, I know you have music coming out, but I mean, is there anything else that people can look forward to? Uh, just what's what's next for you? I mean, you have the mic and everything. Are you planning on doing a show too? I mean, uh, what what else can we expect? From, <laughs> I don't from know. Paul in the yeah. future. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, so the plan is I want to keep releasing singles for a little bit and keep doing TikTok things and just releasing music through there until it feels like something really kind of sticks and then I have an album that I've I've been writing uh that I'm you know about halfway done with that I, I want to release after that like once it feels like the right moment I guess um 
I don't know. I, I think the way I see myself as an artist is like, I'm, I, I want to position myself as someone who I can take a lot of creative risks and can do things that are maybe not what was expected of me from the beginning. So I don't know. I, uh, I'm really interested in, um, exploring other types of ways that I can apply music and video and things and to, to create cool things. And, um, I mean, the good thing about living in LA is you meet so many creative people. And so, I don't know. So I have a lot of like creative projects that I've been talking through with people and been thinking about, but yeah, there's nothing that is kind of slated for, all right, this is happening and here's what you can wait for. But yeah, but definitely, you know, I usually post about stuff on Instagram, um, about like, this is what's happening, you know, kind of updates on my music stuff. So if people, people are curious, you can check me out there. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk a little bit about, cause you, you talked about singles and it made me think, cause I wanted to ask you this earlier before, before I let you go, of course, I, I just, what is the, the decision I guess to do or, Cause there was a time where you would have to, of course there were record players like way back in the day <laughs> and you'd have to listen to the whole thing. Yeah. Eight tracks and then you know, <laughs> CD players. And so the transformation, and now we have streaming, right? That's yeah. the main way we support artists and you can listen to whatever song you want to at a time. And and of course, I, a lot of the music I like are typically singles. There's not a lot of times where I'm like, this whole album yeah. is fire. You know, this whole <laughs> yeah. album, I'm about to listen to this album. Unless it's an artist I really, really love. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like a J. Cole album. Like I listen to all that thing from start to finish. Exactly. So, <laughs> so what, what's the what's the decision as an artist to, to release singles? Do you think they're more digestible or just, because um, you say you're, right, you're working on the album, which I was encouraged to hear because I, I still love albums even yeah. if I can't because I feel like <laughs> even if it's 13 tracks you're likely to get like at least five or six you like so what's yeah the, yeah what's the but yeah so the um a lot of it is like a platform thing like a lot of it is about um so on Spotify you can submit like every time you release something whether it's a single or an album you can release one song to to their like playlist curation team their editorial team and they can decide to put it on a playlist or not on one of their like Spotify curated playlists. Yeah. And so uh, usually people will advise artists to uh, release singles and just like try to have like every time you have a song that you're like, Oh, this is really good. I'm just going to like keep doing singles so that that song can get submitted for the, the team at uh, you know, at Spotify. And then, when you release an album, it's, it's different because I guess singles, you can kind of see them as marketing almost in that, like when you release a single, you have the the opportunity to get it on a big playlist and to get people to click follow on Spotify and, you know, then become your fans. But then with an album, it's more about catering to the people who already follow you and the people who are already listening to you. Um, because, you know, you can only, you can only submit one of those songs to playlists. You know, you can only submit one. So out of all the, you know, 10, 13, however many songs you have on it, the other ones that don't get submitted to playlists, those are just the songs for the people who are already checking for you, you know? And so the, the idea is that, you know, doing the singles is kind of, I want to market until I feel like I have a, enough of a group of people who are, 
ready for an album that when I release it, like, you know, it feels like it's going to people, you know? Um, and I mean, the, the good thing about album is that it feels like something. Like, I feel like, you know, if you release only singles, then it never feels like anything's important. You know, it's like, oh, another, another single. So it's like, yeah, it's a tricky kind of balance being like, okay, when do I want to market? When do I want to cater to people? But I, I have to do those at a good enough, you know, cadence that I don't just bore people. So it's, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, it, I think it speaks to just in general how um, I feel like before, when I first started doing music, I saw it as kind of like, you know, I've, I've always been interested in business and tech and things like that. And it felt like, business and, and tech, that's all like one category of thing I do during the day, maybe. And then when I'm doing music at night, it's, I'm a musician and like the two sort of parts of me don't connect, but realizing that so much of being an artist is about, you know, being a business person and also about how do you kind of understand these tech platforms that you need to be able to grow on in order to, you know, and so it feels like now I have to, kind of combine everything in order to make it work. And so, um, I don't know, a lot's changed for being a musician in that way, but. Man, that sounds awesome. So where can we get this music? Um, and I just want to say too, that makes a lot of sense in terms of just, um, building an audience. I get it. It just, as a listener, you know, and as a, <laughs> it can be, it can be so you like, Oh my God, this is so good. I gotta have, more of this more of this so i'm glad to hear you working on the album because that's i'm sure that's going to be great and so we'll definitely support that where can people get this again can you just say the streaming information for people yeah yeah so the song's called hallelujah it'll be on april 2nd it'll be everywhere so spotify apple music um yeah wherever you wherever you listen to your music you can check it out listen y'all uh this has been paul russell paul, paul do you have any closing words you want to say oh no, not nothing. Hey, I mean, keep. I don't know. I don't. I don't have anything. I'm like, ah, oh, I feel like I feel like I do have something to say, but I'm like, what do I have to say? I guess. I guess. Uh, I I think that when I was when I was in college. Okay, this is now. I'm going on a tangent. I'm sorry. Ahead, like, bro, the show is that's over. What I, that's <laughs> but, what I want. That's okay, what I want. Okay, okay. All right. I remember. So I feel like when you're in college, like particularly okay, when you're at Cornell, it feels like everything matters so much. Like I remember caring so much about like, you know, my caring so much about my GPA and like having that be perfect and caring so much about, um, you know, being involved on campus and doing all these, you know, being a part of all these clubs and having all these leadership roles and things like that. And I think a lot of that is really important for your like development as a person. And I think that stuff is important, but I feel like when you let it get to the point that that is becoming the like big stress on your life and you forget to kind of just live and enjoy Cornell and being in college and being around people, it, you know, it can become a big problem. Um, and what I realized when, once I graduated, like absolutely, like in my working life, like outside of the music stuff, absolutely no one has ever asked for my GPA. No one ever asked. And for most of my friends, that's the same thing. I mean, and that's probably because in the business world, it's different from if you're trying to, you know, go to med school, then they're going to care about your GPA, you know? Um, and when it comes to like the clubs and the organizations I was in, it was like, 
to some degree, it mattered to, to be able to have a story to talk about in interviews about how I, you know, da 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 da. But stressing late at night, trying to, I mean, I did student assembly stuff and I did like all this other stuff, which was gross, which is terrible. I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it at all because you're going to be stressed out of your mind. And then at the end, all you have to show for it is, I mean, you have nothing to show for it because no one wants to hear about the like drama in your you know school government when you're at your interview. So I don't know. I'm just on a soapbox here, but my point, enjoy college to everyone listening. Just live your life. Like you'll figure out everything else along the way. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> oh my God. Paul. That's exactly what I needed to hear. <laughs> Cause you know what? I'm I'm in that place right now. I'm 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 keeping some resignation letters on deck because I just in terms of not doing stuff anymore that doesn't matter. Granted, <laughs> I am uh on ILR student government. I'm well, president president of ILR student oh, wow. But I feel like <laughs> so, so he was really roasting me just now. But no, Paul, I, I feel like though that's very true in that a lot of what we have to show for it is like uh, there was a student rift over this resolution that didn't get passed. And at the end of the day, like a lot of unnecessary headaches, I feel like I could avoid if I just, I just enjoy college. Yeah. I just yeah. enjoy college, man. So um, <laughs> thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. So to all student government, ILR and SA at large, just listen to Paul. He said, enjoy your college experience. So um, I definitely will do that. Listen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, um, well, thank y'all for tuning in today. I hope that you all are encouraged more now than ever to be uh, unapologetically black, my people, uh, to see when more new and upcoming episodes of Black Voices on the Hill. Uh, make sure you follow the Black Voice on the Hill on Instagram, WVBRFM News on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, com slash Black Voices. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast. You can tune in right here on WVBR 93.5 FM every Friday at 2 p.m. We'll see you next week. Shout out to my producers, Mike Seitz and Grace Fairchild. But peace out, y'all. Peace out. <laughs>